You're listening to Pastor Don Cherry from Shenandoah Valley Baptist Church, recorded Sunday, August 8, 2021. For more information about our church, you can visit our website, svbcfamily.com, or find us on all things social at svbcfamily. Worthy is the Lamb, the one who we have come to worship today, amen? That's why we're here. High and lifted up, rightfully adored, Jesus Christ, worthy of all honor and glory. I want to talk to you this morning, have you turn to a couple scriptures here momentarily, and all but just about divine appointments, and in particular two that God's Word brings out very, very clearly, I believe. You know, when we think of uh, appointments, Things are something we have to do, something that we've got to be at. We live in a world today that I think is there's a lot of inaccountability. We don't want to be held accountable for anything. But yet what we're going to see in these divine appointments is, oh, we will be held accountable. Okay? We're not going to get by with anything like we can today. You know, if you keep track of anything politically going on and everything, you know that our country has what's called a national debt. Right? And uh, David's going to put an image, uh, image up here for you, just to kind of give you an idea of where we as a country are at right now. That national debt is what, basically what our country owes this way. There it is. That is $28 trillion, by the way, and you can see that it's going up all the time. And each one of us, each individual in America, okay, and this is, by the way, this is each taxpayer, I think, in America, and everything, each and every taxpayer owes $86,000 right now. Right now, it's what it would take each taxpayer to pay off the national debt. If we go by just every person, some $330 million in our nation to pay off, then it reduces down to about $45,000. are not you glad for that? You know, that's what it would take to pay off the debt of this country, and a debt that you can see is going up by hundreds of thousands of dollars, you know, literally as every second passes. And you have to wonder when you see that, well, where's the accountability? Isn't there supposed to be an accountability? Aren't we supposed to have a balanced budget? Well, evidently there are those that don't think much of accountability today. Because the bottom line is, let's face it, if you and I ran our business or ran our households and all like the government does, then for the most part and everything, we'd probably land in jail, wouldn't we? You know, but see, they have one advantage we don't. They can print money. Okay, we can't do. Well, I guess you can do that, but you will definitely land in jail, you know, if they catch on that. Amen. You know, so this is what I'm talking about: accountability, and why I want to tie that in with these divine appointments that we're looking at. A couple of things about these appointments I want to make known to you this morning is these appointments will not be called off by either party. Okay, not be called off by either party. My daughter and I have a doctor's appointment. This coming Thursday. 
Now the doctor could call up and say, hey, listen, I'm sorry. You're not going to be able to make it and everything. This has happened. That's happened. We're going to have to reschedule. Or we could call and say, look, this isn't going to work. We're going to have to make another date and everything. But I want you to understand that the appointments that we're going to look at this morning are not going to be called off. They're not going to be called off by God, and you and I cannot call them off either. And in the su- with the subject of accountability, I want us to know that each of these appointments has a specific purpose with results based on accurate records, okay? In other words, these appointments are based on an accurate accounting that there will be no recourse when we stand at these appointments, all right? And whichever one we stand at, there's going to be no recourse. We can't say shoddy bookkeeping. We can't say mistaken numbers, anything like that. They will be by divine appointment. So your first scripture I want you to go to right now is 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, probably a very familiar passage of scripture in verse 10. And so here the Apostle Paul is speaking to a group of believers at Corinth, and he says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Now the question I have for you this morning is the congregation, all means? Thank you. All. So does that, so now notice Paul is speaking to believers here, okay? He's talking to the church at Corinth. So these are those who know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. So he says, We must all. So today, this morning, if you are a child of God, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, this is a divine appointment that you're not going to call off. You're not going to avoid. This is one we're all going to make, okay? I want you to understand that. He said, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That every one, does that leave anybody out? Not at all. That everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he has done, whether it be good or bad. Now we're going to go to another portion of Scripture here in just a little bit to kind of clarify and define um, uh, that final part of that verse. But what we want to look at this morning is called the judgment seat of Christ, okay? This is where believers will appear before Christ and give account for our lives, all right? Now I want you to understand something. These divine appointments are not based on skin color, Okay? They're not based on skin color. They're not based on where you're at economically. They're not based on your position. They're not based on what culture you come out of. Because see, in God's economy, folks, there's only two type of people. They're saved and lost. Okay? God doesn't see skin color. He doesn't see culture. He doesn't see male, female, and all. He sees saved and lost. All right? Those are only two. And that's the determining of these divine appointments. So we see here, you know, that we must all, as believers, we are definitely going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Now, I want to break down the particulars this morning, basically using the five W's, okay? So if you're kind of taking notes, if you want to jog that down, that might help you out just a little bit. So first of all, the first W is who? Who? 
Who will appear before the judgment seat of Christ? Well, we've already answered that, haven't we? We must all, believers, every born-again child of God, will keep this appointment, okay? There's no getting out of it, folks. You're not going to phone up to heaven and say, man, I got some things I got to do, God. Um, can I get back with you in a month? It's not going to happen. Okay, this is a divine appointment that we're keeping all believers. And then the what? The what here, it's a definite appointment. Okay, we must all appear. This is the definite appointment. All right, so we understand that. This is something that's already prepared. This is something that's already on God's calendar. Okay, this is going to happen, folks. So the who, the what, we've got that taken care of. And then the when. When is this going to happen? This is going to happen while the tribulation is going on here on earth. All right? Let me give you a little bit of a timeline so I can kind of bring you up where we're at. We are currently, according to Scripture, in what's called the Age of Grace, okay, or the Church Age. That began with the death, burial, resurrection of Christ, the empowerment of the church at Pentecost, and it will come to an end when God calls His church home and all in what is known as the rapture, all right? But until that takes place, this is where we're at. We're in this church age. Now, once that rapture Rapture takes place, okay, then the earth is going to be plunged into what the scripture calls a tribulation period going on for seven years. I'm not even going to try to get into all the details of that. I will tell you it is after the rapture and its length is for seven years. So while that is taking place here on earth, you and I as believers who have been called, up, called home, caught up and all to meet the Lord in the air, so shall we ever be with the Lord and everything, we will go before the judgment seat of Christ. And we will give account as we've seen for our lives. All right? We will give account for our lives. Now, I'm going to broaden that a little bit, so stay with me. So let's look at the four. Okay? Where? Where is this going to take place? It's going to take place in heaven. Okay? Again, 2 Thessalonians chapter 4, and all the Lord calls us up. We meet Him in the air, so shall we ever be with the Lord. And then John chapter 14, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, now listen, I will come again and what receive you unto myself that where I am seated at the right hand of the fathers where Christ is at right now there you will be with me also so the where is in heaven is where this is going to take place now the why the why I want to spend a little time here if you'll permit me to <laughs> like you got a choice right anyway <laughs> the why Go with me, if you would, to um, 1 Corinthians and all chapter 3. Just back a book. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Now, the why of this is that we will give account. We will give account. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, pick it up in verse 10. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon, but let every man take heed how he builds upon. 
For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble. Every man's work, you want to underline that work, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it. Because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work, there's that word again, of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he has built thereupon, he shall receive reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. Now note this, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. So what's taking place here? This judgment seat of Christ, that term comes from the Greek, the Bema seat. All right, the Bema seat. How many of you have been watching the Olympics going on here? Yeah, not a whole lot. I, th- I turned into a uh, turned onto a boxing match here the other day. So a U.S. guy was fighting. You know, so I thought I want to see how this goes and everything. But I really haven't kept up with it. Uh, at least not like it used to be. I just I'm, I'm, I'm tired of the politics. That's the only way to put it. Everything. I'm just tired of, uh, of seeing all that in there. But you might notice that in the events there is a first, second, and third place. Right? You have a gold, silver, bronze medal, and when those medals are awarded, those athletes athletes go up on a platform. The gold is the highest, the silver next, and then the bronze, correct? Well, that is a type of the Bema seat, okay? Because if you remember everything, the Olympics and all, where did they originate? Greece, right? Okay, they in Greece. They had these competitions and all, and the athletes that won came to the Bema seat for their reward. All right, for their reward. And so here the Bible says that as believers, we will come before the Bema, the judgment seat of Christ, and there be rewarded based on the works of our life. Now he said those things that we do in the flesh, okay? The things that we do in the flesh. In other words, you know, uh, um, man, you get up and sing a solo so everybody can tell you how beautiful a voice you have. You go over and play the piano so they say, man, we just love to hear you play. Or you teach a Sunday school class and everything because you want to be teacher of the year. I don't know, whatever, but when we do things in the flesh for self, then the Bible says those works are wood, hay, and stubble. When they go through God's judgmental fires, guess what? They burn up. They burn up, okay? There's no reward. There's a loss there, all right, as far as reward goes. But now when we do those things to the honor and glory of God, when we drive that bus so that children can come and hear the gospel and be saved, and that's what motivates us, when we get up and sing so that God would get the glory and everything and His Word go out through the voice that we have, then the Bible says that is gold, silver, and precious stone. When it goes through the fire, it becomes more pure and there is reward, okay? There's reward. Now, I've not done a tremendous study on what, you know, the rewards and everything are that for, but I think it has something to do with where our position will be in the millennial kingdom, okay? And all because the Bible says we're going to come back and rule and reign with Him, right? Okay? We as believers, we're coming back. And I think we're going to rule, we're going to reign with Christ in His kingdom when He sets it up here upon the earth. I believe the rewards have something to do with that. Okay, so nonetheless, and everything, we are going to stand there, and our lives are going to be uh, judged accordingly. Now, here's what I want to bring out: sin is not the issue. Sin is not the issue. Why? Because sin was judged at Calvary. 
Jesus Christ not only took our sins, but the Bible says that he became sin for you and I. Doesn't it? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 21. He, Jesus, became sin who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him, you see. So Christ literally became sin. He endured the ju judgment. He endured the pain. He endured the rejection of his father when God turned his back on him. But he did it because he loves you and me. He's not willing that any should perish, but all come to repentance, you see. And so this is, uh, we need to understand that. And then as I said, salvation is not the issue. Sin's not the issue. This has to do with reward, either gain or loss, all right? I want you to understand that. I want you to understand that today as, as we go through that and everything. So what we need to understand, it is not what we have done for Christ, but why we have done for Christ. You see? It's not the what. You know what? You can do all the what you want. You know, like, missionary that was here last week, he can go to China. Man, he can plant a church here, a church there, one thing after another like that and everything. But if he's going there so he can come back and say, hey, what a great missionary to China I am. You know what? Nothing. Nothing. No reward. Because the motive, the why is what God, God looks where, folks? On the heart. On the heart. And you know what's really crazy about that? Is that God knows your motive, knows what you're thinking, even before you do. Let that sink in for just a minute, okay? Let that marinate just a minute. God knows that. So there's no way you're going to hide it from Him. There's no way you're going to manipulate it from Him. There's no way you're going to explain it away from Him. God keeps accurate records, and there will be an account. You got that? Amen? Y'all hanging on? You sure? You positive? Great. Okay. Just want to make sure because you know what? We're going to go on. I've got, um, let me see, it is 11.05. I promise you I'll be done by 12.05. All right? So just hang on there. No. I'll tell you what I tell, tell some visiting preachers at, at time, you know, they say, hey, how long do I have? We start at 10.30, you know, I say, you got until, you know, 11.15, everything, uh, well, 11.15 is usually when we're out, but, you know, you just go on and preach as long as you want, we're leaving at 11.15, <laughs> you know, so we're just moving right on down the road. <laughs> so now I need you to turn to Revelation chapter 20. And I want to look at a divine appointment that I pray none of you are going to stand before. I want you to understand, all right, as we go through here. Revelation chapter 20, this is called the great white throne. The great white throne judgment. Now again, allow me to paint a little bit of a timeline. In chapter 19, Jesus Christ has physically come back to the earth. Okay, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. He has set up his millennial kingdom, and for a thousand years, Jesus Christ will rule and reign physically on this earth. All right? But now when the thousand years are up, there's going to be a judgment. It's called the Great White Throne Judgment. Revelation chapter 20, verse 11. Let's pick it up there. And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, 
stand before God. And the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man, according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Now pay attention here. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. I've already presented to you kind of the timeline there. I've already shared with you that the Bible says that we as his people will come back and rule and reign with him for a thousand years. But the people that you read about in this passage, uh, passage of Scripture, the Bible refers to as the dead. There in verse 12, the dead. These are those who have rejected Jesus Christ as Savior. These are those who have not called upon the name of the Lord. You remember what Paul wrote, that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved? Well, there's a whosoever mentioned here too. But this whosoever never called upon the name of the Lord. Their name was not found in the, written, in the Lamb's book of life. And as a result, they stand before the great white throne. And remember when I said that God keeps accurate records? That there will be an accounting? Because the Bible tells us books are open. And their life is going to be judged out of this book. I don't know what all is in that book, but I'm guessing that every action, every word, every thought is going to be revealed at that time. In other words, nobody's going to sit, be able to sit back and say, but God, but God, you don't understand. But God, listen, it's not my fault. But God, you, you know, I, I didn't mean that. It's all written down. There's accountability. Because there's accurate records that God keeps. So we see here, these are the rejecters of Christ who consign themselves to eternal torment due to this rejection. We've all run into people who said, oh, God wouldn't send anybody to hell. God is a good God. God is a loving God. He'll never send anybody to hell. And you know what? I could not agree with you more. God will not send anybody to hell. Matter of fact, some scriptures we already talked about. It's not His will that any should perish, but all come to repentance. Amen? You know, all those who come unto me, I will in no wise cast out. The Bible's very plain, plain that God so loved who? The world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever, there's that whosoever again, believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. But dear friend, what takes place here? I want you to consider for a moment. I'm using this strictly as an example. But consider a courtroom where you have a defendant that's on trial. And all the evidence is brought. Yes, you did it. Yes, you did it. Yes, you did it. No doubt whatsoever. And so he's determined guilty. And as a result of that, he is now sentenced whether it's life in prison, whether it's a death penalty, whatever it may be, you are now sentenced. But understand this, the judge up there, the judge up there did not send that man to prison. The judge up there did not 
consign that man to lose his life. The judge simply announced the verdict based on the evidence given. And dear friend, what God is doing here at the great white throne, and all, it is not his will any should perish, but he is simply announcing the penalty for rejecting Jesus Christ as Savior. And everything is brought forth. In other words, they can't sit back and say, I didn't know. I couldn't, I didn't, it's not my fault. No, it is. Because you had the opportunity to accept. And you rejected that opportunity. The lake of fire here is referred to as the second death. The final death. There is no recourse after that. The Bible defines it as a place of torment. A place of torment. A place of outer darkness. A place of fire and brimstone. These are divine appointments, folks. And nobody gets a get-out-of-jail card. Nobody gets a, you can go past go and collect $200. This is an appointment that you're going to come to. An old professor of ours, Baptist Bible College, R.O. Woodworth, he was actually the business man of the school, but he often preached, pulpit supplied, would preach in chapel every once in a while. My wife remembers him. I remember him preaching a message one time dealing with the word urgency. He's talking about the need to get the gospel out. There's got to be an urgency if we're going to see people come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. There's an urgent need. Would you agree with me? That there are people today who are in need of the message of the gospel. They're in need of the hope that is provided in Jesus Christ. Look at our world, people. Don't sit back and say, hey, you know, I think things are going pretty well. No, it's not. No, it's not. We are living in the last day. I, I rejoice at that because how, how, how much sooner can it be the Lord's coming? But here's the thing. We all know those without Christ. We all know those that are going to be at this divine appointment. We know them. Do we believe in an urgency of need? And will we allow God to create an urgency of compassion within us. You know, one thing that I fear today, and I'm guilty of it myself, so I'm raising my hand. In this divisive, racially charged world we live in, it's easy sometimes to judge people on the color of their skin. It's easy sometimes to judge people because of their culture. It's easy sometimes to judge people because of their political affiliation. And I get as aggravated and frustrated as you do when I see what's going on. But would to God that each one of us would be able to see beyond those barriers and see the eternal soul that God created. Created in His image, you see. May we see people as God sees them.